Disclaimer, we do not own or claim ownership of the Pokemon franchise and any Pokemon established in official canon. That's all owned by Nintendo, Game Freak, and Creatures. This is just a podcast made by four friends who love Pokemon. It's our love letter to a franchise most of us grew up with. So please go support the official release. Hello, Kvox here, or K, or Killian, whichever one of those. Uh, welcome to the first episode of PKMN Legacy, yet another podcast to add to that ever-growing pile that you haven't gotten around to listening to yet. And I am joined by... Hi, I'm Ariana. Hello, I'm Dry Guy. And I am Chi-Chi. Hiya. So yeah, this is uh, PKMN Legacy. It's a tabletop role-playing campaign set in a homebrew Pokemon setting using... Bits and pieces from a whole bunch of different game systems. This is session zero, where we set the stage before we get into the game proper. And I want to take the time to get to know our players. Who are you? What you do? What's your history with tabletop games and Pokemon? All that good stuff. And let's start with Ariana. You got the floor. Great. So I'm Ariana, um, also known as Ariana Nicole. I am a voice actress, a musical theater performer, and just kind of a singer. Um, My experience with tabletop roleplay actually isn't very much, so I'm going to kind of be a newbie in regards to all this. But um, I had a couple friends who threw me a surprise birthday party, and I played D&D for the first time with them. What, what character did you play for that? Yeah, so um, I was an Aarakocra druid, daughter of the chief, and her name is Raya. So she was the daughter of a chief. A demon came and um, turned her entire village to stone, and so she had to find five different artifacts, and she met lots of friends along the way, which were my friends' characters, and um, basically had to save her people and um defeat the demon so this wasn't just like a one shot this is like a whole it was a whole arc it took us we've met like three times already to play it and we're all it's it's like a long distance game pretty much so we're all um in different places so yeah all right let's uh move over to uh chi chi all right uh I don't have as detailed a backstory, but it's still one nonetheless. Oh, no, I was, so talking, my about, char- I was talking about y- introducing you, who you are. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Already jumping the gun, huh? <laughs> okay, let's try this again. Okay. <laughs> like you guys, um, I've done a lot of voice acting. Um, I also do a lot of music. Um, I'm mostly these days doing a lot of nerdcore music, so writing stuff and singing about video games and kind of writing songs centered around that. I do YouTube and all that good stuff, and yeah, that's kind of my basic backstory for myself. <laughs> and now we go to Dry. Oh god, I've been putting on the spot. Uh, <clears throat> hi everybody, my name's Dry Guy. Um, I'm a voice actor, I scream into a microphone for a living. I more or less got acquainted with tabletop gaming way way back in high school i think around ninth grade uh me and a bunch of my friends played like a 3.5 edition of D, and i got to play a character that was a monk and he was married to a bear uh hold on no uh, i need to hear more about that now. um how can i explain this uh he basically wanted revenge against this capital that like burned down the forest where he lived with his wife that was that was a bear 
Like he he named the bear Eleanor and we don't know why. He just it's just she apparently got attacked by a bunch of poachers that wanted her fur and now he wants revenge. That was literally his entire I was I was thinking that was gonna be a funny story. That's just a sad dramatic story. Hi. Now. I am also Dry Guy, a uh, killer of all OCs that do ne- never have happy backstories. Yeah, yeah, you are. <laughs> let, let, let's let's go over it. One of your characters' uh, father was a murderous king who turned him into a murderous king himself. Okay, Theodore was actually a prince at the time, and he was a good kid until his mother got assassinated by his father's men, and then he murdered his father in cold blood once he found out, and then he took the the throne. But he's doing it for chaotic good reasons, or is it chaotic evil? Uh, Lawful evil? Lawful evil, lawful evil, yes. And then there's that Sundari character of yours. Damien's a good boy. It's just that he gets a little too attached too quickly. And what else? What else? Oh, yeah, Hopper. He's like a brainwashed soldier uh, hell-bent on killing Spider-Man. In his defense... It wasn't technically his choice. It's more like he was raised to do that. So it's not helping my case here, am I? No, no, you're not. Gotcha. Anyway, uh, that's me, Try Guy. Hi. Uh, So hi again. I'm Killian or Kay, whichever one you want to call me. I'm a sound designer, voice actor and animation enthusiast. I have been playing Pokemon ever since I was a kid. I also only got serious about tabletop RPGs about three years ago, first as a player and then as a game master. And my first character was Ravon the Wild Man Barbarian. I think the best way to describe him is the type that would bite a werewolf in order to try and turn it into another Ravon. It, it did not work. He is now a, a werewolf barbarian with a big ass hammer. So does that make him a... Werebarian? Ooh. Don't make me cancel this podcast before (laughs) we even start. (laughs) So, I've been running this campaign with some other friends over the past maybe uh, two years now. But we've been playtesting it, working out the kinks, and that's been pretty important because this whole system we're going to be using is actually a mishmash of a bunch of other systems. Got Fate Core, Fate Accelerated, uh, Monster of the Week, Open Legend, D&D, a bit of Pokemon Tabletop United in there, and of course we throwing a heaping helping of Calvin Ball, making up some of the rules as we go along, just going with the flow. So this homebrew region I've created is called the Appalachian region. It is based on the real-life Appalachian mountain range and the surrounding eastern U.S. seaboard. Uh, compared to the rest of the Pokemon world, it's very out of the way, isolated from most of the better-known regions. But it has its own charms and secrets that you'll find out about soon enough. Alright, so Ariana, let's talk about the character you'll be playing for this campaign. Yeah, so I'm playing Maddie LeClaire. She is a fashion student. She's lived in Lumios her entire life. She has no idea how big the world is because she's kind of just stayed there. And her school basically told her that she needs to get out more. Just as she's about to leave for this kind of travel exchange program, like a study abroad, she meets this Mincino, um that she actually found in an alleyway. And um, this Mincino was super duper sick, so she took the Mincino to a Pokemon Center and got all healed up. This was her new partner, Bellini, and Bellini is the master of sass, and she's really proper. 
Um, Tell us about her personality again real quick. Yeah, so she's just kind of this ball of excitement. She tends to get really shy when she first meets people, but the second that she becomes friends with them, she just doesn't stop talking. Um, She gets really incredibly insecure and jealous. She's like really overly trusting, so she shares everything with people. And then she's like, oh my gosh, what if they're talking about me? Because this isn't, I'm not their only friend anymore. So it's kind of like that. So I'm really excited to kind of like play off her insecurities and figure out exactly her dynamic with the other people she comes along because she loves making friends, but she's bad at keeping them. So she's trekking the world, discovering new kinds of fashion and her trusty little Pokemon's helping her out. And that's Maddie. Now, why don't we move on to Chi-Chi? Tell us about your character. So my character, Velma. She's a gremlin. Uh, she comes from a family of scientists, and she wants to follow in the steps of her mad scientist grandfather. Her whole family is really into poisonous and uh, bug-type Pokemon, and her mother is not, while not a mad scientist, is also a well-renowned scientist. She has a Dustox as her main Pokemon, who she lovingly named uh, Minion, and she also has a Dust Blaster that she kind of uses when she's in a pinch and she needs to get out. Uh, she is going on her Pokemon journey because her mother wants her to try to have a semblance of a normal childhood and try to get out of becoming the mad, evil scientist type that she really wants to be. But her mom's like, no, let's not do that. Can, can we try not do that? Her relationship to her just talks that even though she calls it Minion, it is her partner in crime and she loves it to the end of the earth. It's wherever she goes, Dustox follows. She's very prideful. So anytime she feels like she's being stepped on or her family name's being dirtied, she always gets up in anyone's face about it and she will burn them to the ground if she has to. Oh my goodness. Basically, she's kind of like a Team Rocket type where she will do things like petty theft and steal and stuff like that, but she won't ever maim or hurt anyone super seriously. She's just, she's just a gremlin who does what she wants, but she does have like a semblance of some morals. I love her already. <laughs> so... Dry, have you written a happy ending for Chris? <laughs> Me thinks that's a no. I think we all know the answer to that one. <laughs> so, my character's name is Christopher, but he likes to be called Chris for short. Uh, he's 33 years old, he's a Pokemon breeder, and he's the owner of a Pokemon adoption center that's located in the region of Hoenn. He has one daughter, her name is Emily, she's a sweet bean. He runs this adoption center currently by himself. Um, the adoption center used to be co-owned by him and his wife, Anna, at the time. Uh, they used to own it together, but unfortunately she passed away due to an incurable illness that... A, that and a, there it is. Okay, okay, I'm trying to. <laughs> we love you, we love you, keep going. So, Ginger, uh, she's a female houndoom and she's just a sweet girl, she loves people. How many pages of notes do you have on him, actually? I'm just curious. Um, altogether, about six pages. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, and that's not including his uh, other after story. So if you want to know about the other after story combined with the backstory, it's actually about 17 pages. Yeah, I spent that's some time a talent. on him. <laughs> that's a talent right there. <laughs> he loves killing his darlings. I mean, he's, he's good now. He's just a little traumatized, mm -hmm. slightly. Mm -hmm. A little, a lot. He's traumatized a lot. I should also mention that we both agreed, so... This campaign is taking place... This is after everything has transpired. He's finally nursed himself back to full after health. After that whole 17 pages of content that you have for him. And everything's good to go. 
So let's go over the mechanics. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief. This episode is already going to be too much of me talking about everything and you just listening. Character creation with the system we're using is taken from the Fate system. It's more flexible than just picking a set class and race from a playbook. We can create a custom skill set for each character. Like for Chi-Chi's character, a Velma can have a, a science-y, gadgeteer, tech skill set with her Dust Blaster. Uh, Maddie can have something based on her fashion design skills. Chris can have his own mechanics for being a, a, a dad having daddy powers. I don't know. <laughs> it's all very, again, very Calvin Ballish. And we'll do most of the nitty-gritty character building off mic. So, you all get uh, one Pokemon each to start with. Velma has her Dustox Minion, Maddie has her Mincino Bellini, and Chris has his Houndoom Ginger. And yes, all those Pokemon that you have on your team are included in the hundreds of characters I'm going to be roleplaying. Though the good thing is, the moves and actions they take, uh, those are going to be up to you for the most part. Alright, next up is Fate Points, which we are borrowing from the Fate System. Uh, this represents your influence over the story. It's your best tool for turning the tides to your favor when I'm trying to absolutely destroy you. There's also refresh rate. In normal games of fate, uh, your fate points would go back up to whatever your refresh rate was at the end of a session. We are deviating from that uh, because I don't want you stockpiling your points like they did in my playtest group. <laughs> for this game, uh, that refresh rate is now your refresh limit. It means you can't hold any more fate points than what your limit says you can. But over the course of the story, as you progress, uh, that limit will increase. What I'm trying to do really is encourage you to use your fate points and also find ways to gain them back. Now the way you use fate points is that they work in tandem with aspects. Aspects are short, pithy phrases that help define your character. And we are going to develop yours now. We're going to need a high concept that says who your character is a trouble aspect, uh, something that actively gets them into conflicts, and an additional character aspect. We'll start with Velma. Let's get that high concept, that five-word elevator pitch about who she is. Uh, let's see. Velma is a wannabe mad scientist who's forced to go out into the world and explore because her mom doesn't want her to be evil. All right, so I'm thinking we could do something like self-proclaimed genius or evil genius in training. I'd say self-proclaimed evil genius. Okay. Next up is her trouble aspect. She has a gigantic ego. More often than not, unintentionally, people tend to step on her ego. And so she always feels like she has to prove them wrong or kind of punch them in the face metaphorically or physically sometimes to get her point that she is not one to be trifled with. I feel like the ego part's pretty much covered by self-proclaimed evil genius, but let's focus on the, uh, that short fuse bit. Yeah, I guess she is short- um, what's the word? Is it hot-tempered? Or- Or short fuse! Short fuse works great! Plus you're short, so there we go. Velma short, <laughs> not you short. Yeah. And for this last bit, uh, we just need a regular character aspect. Maybe something related to their backstory, or something like an, a fun fact about them. But the important part about aspects is that the best ones are double-edged swords. Nice. Her grandpa was really well known. Some people renowned him for his genius, and some people think he was just a crackpot and that he was everything he did was totally bad. So depending on who she talks to in like any kind of research or science field, she gets various reactions, and that either lets people trust her more or feel like stay the away from me. 
What would be a, a name for that aspect then? Something that specifically relates to the grandpa since he seems to be like the big overarching figure in your family. Uh, Hector. Uh, That's a grandpa's Hector's footsteps. Hector's in grandpa's footsteps? Yeah. Yeah, I think that works perfect. Let's move on to Chris. What would be a good high concept for him? That dad. His whole thing is just being very fatherly to... Honestly, everyone he meets. Maybe either the team dad or watches over the pups. Um, watches over the pups. That's literally him. <laughs> All right. Next up, we need your trouble aspect. Something that actively gets you into trouble. You know, as of right now, Chris was a part of Team Magma, correct? Yeah. Uh, listeners might not know this, but part of the huge backstory that Dry wrote for Chris was that his daughter was kidnapped by Team Magma, and he was blackmailed into working for them as a grunt. One thing that has really messed with him after he left, or pretty much escaped, is that he cannot forget those things that he's, that he's done over the years he was with them. He's, I guess, morally conflicted. If someone were to talk about an individual or individuals in the organization being such evil people, he would probably think differently because he doesn't know if those individuals were were like him and blackmailed into joining the organization. So like, ma so like magma sympathy? Essentially, yes. Chris would have to really, uh, he's, he's been on the uh, receiving ends of both sides. Maybe just something. Hot history? You, 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 that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hot history. Hot history. <laughs> and we also need a additional character aspect. Does it need to be, like, tangible or can it be intangible? It could be either. <sighs> uh, uh, Maybe something about your late wife. Ooh. What, what was uh, Anna? You said his, his wife's name was? Mm-hmm. What, what did she do? Uh, she was actually the owner of the adoption center, and she pretty much was the one who kind of researched everything of what were good combinations to breeding Pokemon. While Chris was a breeder himself, he wasn't at the same level that Anna was. And when she passed on, she left all of her research and whatnot with him for him to continue learning and evolving and whatnot as a breeder. That's tasty. I like that. It's, uh, it's uh, both a tangible and intangible keepsake for you. Uh, with valuable research notes that you wouldn't want to fall into the wrong hands, let alone hands that are not your own. Plus, it's one of the few things you can remember Anna by. That's pretty much on the nose, yeah. We'll put my wife's research. Sounds perfect to me. Okay. We need to think of something to sum up uh, who Maddie is. Yeah. I'm veering less towards the soft-spokenness and more towards just the highly anxious word vomit and she literally spills everything just because of who she is not necessarily verbose but very open book totally she's totally an open book i feel like the fact that she's an open book might work better with the trouble aspect which is later on right uh i'm trying to think of like i like to say things in like a clever way because like how dry has watches over the pups like um maybe like Open book. So like open book can't close. Right. I think that's a good way to put it. So we got that. That's it's a, a tasty trouble aspect. It's delicious. I can think of so many ways to use it against you. Well, I know because like I'm imagining all these scenarios where she's just going to spurt out just the wrong thing and make the wrong people mad. All right. So we go back to the high concept, the high concept aspect. Oh, we could play on the fact that she's French. 
Oh, from uh, Kalos, right. And use the idea of like a la mode, almost like student a la mode, because it just is like another way of saying fashionable student. Fashionista a la mode. But I feel like the only the reason I didn't say fashionista a la mode is because it's kind of saying like fashionable fashionista. All right. So student a la mode, you said that? Yeah, I just I don't like it very much, but I think there's a better way we could say it. Fashionista abroad. I, yeah, I think just abroad or like um, fashion exchange student works for now. Accent. I'll think about it. It doesn't even have to be a good one. It could just be a very no, my bad one. My favorite thing to do is have you? Well, have you ever seen the movie Talladega Nights? Yes. So you know the oh shoot the actor Sasha Baron yes. Cohen. So I could do a killer impression of him. Then do that. Are you kidding me? I feel like that would they would eat it up. Hello, Ricky Bobby. Like yes. <laughs> That is awful. Do that. Why, Killian, why? Work on that. Build it. Make it your own. Okay, I will work on it. I promise you that. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. So we just need one extra aspect for you. Right. Maddie has, you said Maddie never has left Lumio City before. Right. It's all she's ever known. And I think it's always been enough for her. So she's never thought about leaving until she was kind of made to. Maybe just like city. Hold on. Praise. Just a city boy. Born and raised in South Destroy. Oh my God. We can't use that though because it's a city boy and a small town girl. Yeah. Darn you, Journey. Journey. Well, we could say just a city girl born and raised in South Detroit. We do not have enough space on this character sheet for that. I know, that. we don't have enough room. What's it called? Like city person. Synonym. Let's go to the Theosaurus. This is literally like what I'm looking at. Let's see. It has City Boy on it. I know. We cannot escape Journey. Forever City Girl? <laughs> With a four. Forever City Girl. Oh, I hate it. Let's do it. <laughs> Aspects. So how they work is that... Well, as an example, say that Velma is working with some tricky technology and she comes up short. Now, she could argue that, hey, she remembers stories about how her grandfather dealt with something similar, so she's somewhat familiar with how to work with this. In this context, she'd be invoking her in-grandfather's-footsteps aspect, and if it flies with me, I could let her re-roll or give her a plus-two boost to her check or something like that. On the other hand, I could use that aspect against her by compelling her. Maybe there's this Officer Jenny who, because she is familiar with stories of her grandfather's work, is very suspicious of Velma and will be keeping a close eye on her while she's in town, which may put a wrench in the player's plans. Now, Chi-Chi could pay a fate point to negate it, or she could play that complication out and I give her a fate point as a reward. It's a, a karmic balance of sorts. Also, you can compel other players' aspects if you so choose. Question. So, for, like, example, there's something potentially dangerous that's about to happen, but Velma's like, no, this needs to get done now. It's happening now. And Chris is just like, no, that's that's not the correct thing to do. We don't need to do that. That's endangering ourselves, especially you. And it becomes, uh, like, a back-and-forth kind of deal about what should and should not be happening. Would, at that point, would one of us be able to invoke one of our fates in that situation? You know what? If it's like a back and forth that much, I'm not sure. It could be just like a uh, like a game of Texas Hold'em with fate points. Mm. 
going to call their bluff. They're going all in with their fate points. Ooh. Or if that doesn't work out, I'm sure we could just figure it out a way to resolve it. If worse comes to worse, I put my foot down. I decide who wins in this scenario. Okay. Hopefully that won't happen, but in case, if it does, yeah. Fair enough. Oh, and we can use fate points to generally bend the rules a little bit if we want to, especially if it follows the rule of cool. So in other tabletop games, you have skills that reflect your more technical prowess. You could be good at sleight of hand or acrobatics or remembering history. With approaches, though, it's less focused on what exactly you're good at and more how you do things. It offers a bit more narrative wiggle room. This campaign uses a slightly altered version of the Fate Accelerated system. And for the approaches, we have Careful, when you need to take your time and pay attention to detail. We have Clever, when you need to think fast and think good and stuff. There's Flashy, when you want to be the center of attention, show off a bit. Uh, Forceful is when you want to throw all subtlety out the window and just go hog wild with that brute strength. Quick is when you need to be fast, nimble, acrobatic. Uh, Sneaky is when you need to stay in the shadows, lie, manipulate. And when the other six don't cut it, we have Heart, which is pretty much the power of friendship, trademark. When you roll for an approach, you roll four six-sided fate dice, which could either give you a positive, a negative, or a dud. And you add your approach bonus to that. So your result could range from terrible at minus two going up to poor, mediocre, average, fair, good, great, superb, fantastic, epic. And at plus seven, we have legendary. Uh, they go higher than that, and they also go lower than that. But that's all I could really fit on our virtual playmat we're using in Roll20. So let's assign your character's approaches. Uh, we will start with what you're good at, your plus three approach. And we will start with you, Dry. Out of the seven approaches, what is Chris's bread and butter? It's a it's a toss-up between careful and heart. So I'll do this the old-fashioned way in all tabletop games, and I will let the dice decide. And while he's rolling, what I want to try and do is make sure no one here shares the same really good and really bad approaches. Want to get that nice variety going so that no character is mechanically the same. Uh, I will say that he is careful. All right. Because he's like the overprotective dad sort of person. Overprotective dad, and he's also morally conflicted. So for fair, what's your plus two skill? Plus two skill would most definitely... He is clever. It's kind of how he survived Team Magma a lot. Uh, Velma, what's her good approach? I'm trying to decide between either sneaky or flashy. Because the thing is that she does also tend to be a loud mouth. Mm. So I think it'd be a question of which does Velma value more? Being boisterous and bombastic or being devious and cunning? Ah, uh, boisterous. Okay, flashy it is. Oh, her and Chris are going to get along wonderfully. Oh, yes, it's going to be it's going to be a ball. Knowing who Maddie is like. Mm-hmm. Minus flashy and careful. Which of those would best fit her? Honestly, either clever or heart. Yeah, I would say it's probably clever and then her fair would be heart. She's like cheesy, cheesy, par cheesy. Let's do your worst approaches. Absolute worst. Absolute worst. Uh, if we're talking the absolute worst, he is not sneaky at all. He is a, he is a clumsy man. Plus, he's also the biggest out of the whole group because he's the only one probably above 30 or 40. And the man is tall, so he's he's not all that sneaky. Dang it! 
I was going to choose sneaky. We could have that be your poor instead. I would say probably careful is probably her worst then. Okay, uh, explain that. While she is like a city girl, I think she she's used to everything and she's used to the dangers that comes with living in the city. So she feels like she doesn't have to be as careful. She's a bit of a ditz. Right. She, and she feels like she doesn't have to be as careful because she's lived there all her life. And, you know, she gets it and she's good. I like that. That's good. Okay. And what would Velma's worst be? Uh, probably forceful. I'm pretty sure she is the youngest in this group, and she does not have, like, physical strength at all. And one step up above that would be your poor, which is a minus one penalty to your role. He's not flashy. He, he doesn't like, he doesn't like having everything be the center of attention on him. He, he hates that. So, yeah. All right. And for Velma? Careful. Definitely makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. That just leaves your averages, which are your plus one bonuses, and your mediocres, which are plus nada. So basically, out of the three approaches you have left to choose from, uh, which one is your character relatively better at? I would say probably flashy. Yeah, I would say flashy's probably her average, because she's, she's a fashion student. And then her mediocres are forceful and quick. Because she's a student and she procrastinates, so she's not very quick. Yes, uh, for average, I would say that Chris is average in being forceful due to its mixture of both being a father and also in Team Magma, so forceful would he be kind of average at. And what would Velma's be? I think for her it would probably be quick. Which means the ones you didn't pick will be put in your mediocre. Which means for Chris, that would be quick and heart. And for Velma, that would be clever and heart. All right, combat stuff. Ooh, yes. I will try to keep it shorter here because most of this won't really click until we're actually playing. But hit points. Both humans and Pokemon use them. Humans have considerably less, though, because they are squishy and fragile. But if your trainer takes a blow that would otherwise knock you out, uh, you might take a consequence instead. These represent the longer-lasting ramifications of battle. They are aspects I can use against you. You might take on a broken arm, and I could say, Hey, gonna suck trying to force open that door now, huh? And consequences range in intensity. Being dazed is a mild consequence, and that might wear off the next scene. Others might last the whole campaign, like permanently blind or lost a leg. Oh boy. (laughs) Look, Pokemon are dangerous creatures. They can breathe fire. They can crush buildings with their tails. They can lobotomize you with their psychic powers. Oh yeah, that is right. Oh geez. Yeah. Thinking about the implications now, aren't you? Ooh. The stakes just got a lot lot higher. Now, if you can't take any more damage or consequences, like if I decide you're all out of limbs to break, you just faint. You can no longer act in the scene, and I decide your fate. Of course, you could choose to voluntarily concede before being taken out. You get a bit more say in what happens to you, and you also get a bit more fate points for next time. Pokemon have more HP, but you can't mitigate damage through consequences with them. Uh, Plus, they have all those status afflictions you have to worry about anyways. Sleep, flinching, confusion, that sort of thing. Uh, question. Answer. For status inflictions and whatnot, so just like, you know, confusion, sleep, paralysis, things like that. Let's say, for example, a Pokemon falls asleep. What would constitute them having to wake up? Would it be like we have to wait or somehow 
get them to forcibly wake up or do, can we give them an item that helps them wake up or like how is that uh, kind of again calvin ball it, it, it depends uh being put to sleep by a yawn would be easier to counteract than uh, being put under by hypnosis in most cases i might allow you to play by coliseum rules just take a turn to shout at them or splash water on them to wake them up gotcha so first things first, you roll initiative to decide who goes first. Ooh, that was a that's a question I meant to bring up with you. Yeah, I know. Like you know, like how in D anD D, when we have certain combat phases, uh, certain rounds last for a certain amount of time. Right. So it leans more towards D anD D in terms of like uh, order of initiative. No specific unit of time though. Okay. Now, in the most basic form, combat is decided by your attacking role versus their defending role. If your attacking role is higher than your target's defending role, that target takes damage equal to the difference. Now, if your attacking role is equal to or lower than the defending role, then it counts as a miss or a block. There are other, more complex mechanics in play here, like stunts and Pokemon moves and environmental aspect tags, but this episode is long enough as it is, so we'll save those for when we actually play oh, the game. Uh... My last question is just in terms of uh, like the first Pokemon that we have, do you get to assign their uh, the kind of attacks that they know or is it going to be kind of like a randomized? In terms of Pokemon, I want this to feel more organic. So, no, there's no concrete leveling up reflected by numbers. But you will notice that your Pokemon eventually get stronger over time. And that's because I will be handling all the nitty gritty number crunching in the background. That being said, if you have any preferences to how your Pokemon grows, uh, please let me know. When we do get into the game proper, uh, feel free to catch Pokemon, but please avoid a gotta catch them all mindset. I'm roleplaying all of them, and I like to spend my free time being sane, thank you. I'm sorry, but I just have a thing about catching, like, an entire team of Beedoofs, and just, it's, it's just my thing. Don't make me smite you. <laughs> That's fair. So one last thing, I know I have just dumped a whole bunch of mechanics and rules on everyone, but keep in mind, our whole point of being here is to have fun and make a kick-ass story. And if that means we have to fudge the rules a bit, then we fudge them. I'm the guy who mashed all those rule systems together in the first place. I'm the guy who made this big hot mess. So... Shut up. <laughs> okay. Uh, do we need to cover anything else? Did you guys want to say anything? Uh, I've pretty much said everything that I needed to, so I'm good to go. Uh, nope. Nope. I'm all good. Cool. So, the next episode, the start of the campaign proper, that's going to be on January 23rd, two weeks from now. Till then, we're done here. Bye. Bye, Bye guys. Everyone.